I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike. This is Kate. So today we just got finished with an interview that was just delightful. I am feeling energized and lit up by this woman we just interviewed. Her name is Koya Webb, and she is the author of the brand new book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce, How to Turn Common Obstacles into Seeds for Growth. And I have to tell you, she is wise, she is funny, and she had some zingers today. So Koya, she did, right? Yeah, like, she had zingers. Really cool. Yeah. I love the way she's speaks. She's an internationally recognized yoga teacher, personal trainer, holistic health and wellness coach, author, motivational speaker, and professional fitness model, revolutionizing the holistic living landscape. She's known as a transformational specialist when it comes to helping people reach their goals by encouraging sustainable, positive lifestyle changes that maximize their ability to cultivate self-love, lose weight, increase energy, reverse life-threatening conditions, and experience optimal health. She also has a podcast called Get Loved Up and her whole company is called Get Loved Up. She's been seen in international media all over the place and she holds retreats and yoga teacher trainings and partners with all kinds of amazing companies. So we talked about her story of how she found yoga as an Olympic hopeful really inspiring story of sort of letting one dream go and cultivating a new dream. She shared with us why she drinks dirty water every day. That was fascinating. Dirty water. (laughs) She talked about the fear of going first. So if you have a fear of being the first in your family to go to college or making more money than your parents or sort of like breaking out of the family mold, there's some excellent wisdom to take home at the very end because that was the last thing we talked about. She shared about self-awareness and how to sort of keep on top of it without having to get injured, taking herself out of the game. You'll hear at the beginning of the episode, her stories of overdoing it and getting injured and how she was sort of becoming self-aware through injury and how she was able to stop that pattern and build in self-awareness without having to have her body stop her. And her just her incredible story and her wisdom around how to live a beautiful life, how to incorporate wellness into your life in practical ways and how to deal with the haters. That was my favorite singer of the whole episode, what she said about the people who judge her for partnering with brands. So you have to listen in to find out what she tells them, who to have a conversation with. It was so genius. And her practice of gratitude, how gratitude helps her to deal with her feelings of overwhelm of the injustices of the world, meditation practice, her go-to self-care practices. She's wonderful. Oh, also how she built a Instagram following of a million followers and became a thought leader brand influencer. That was a good story. So yeah, it was an awesome episode. Rich, rich in content and wisdom. (laughs) Enjoy the episode. (laughs) Uh, Mike will close it out. (laughs) Bye. We are so excited to announce our August podcast listening adventure, where Mike and I are going to take you through four curated episodes to upgrade your business 
and upgrade your life. So if you were a nerdy kid like me who loved doing your summer reading challenge at your local library, or if you've become an avid seeker of knowledge in your adult years, then you're going to love this experience. It is for the month of August. We are so excited to deliver these four episodes to you. One has to do with creating meaningful friendships as an adult. Another one has to do with the way we finally got to our goal of seven figures. It's not what you think. And masterminds, and more. So if you want in for the August Kate and Mike Show podcast listening adventure, just head over to katenorthrop.com forward slash August. There will be extra goodies. There will be extra time with me and Mike. There will be opportunities for live coaching. There will be giveaways. So head over to katenorthrop.com forward slash August and join us for the August Kate and Mike Show podcast listening adventure to upgrade your business and upgrade your life. See you there. Welcome, Koya. Thanks for being on the Kate and Mike Show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So it was such a pleasure to meet you at the Hay House Mastermind. I had actually not been familiar with your work before then, but I'm so glad that I'm familiar with it now. I found following what you're up to really inspiring and also learning your story. So thank you for putting your stuff out there. I know it's not easy to just like keep showing up. It is not easy, but I commend you. I got your book on audiobook because I promised myself to stop buying a million books. But I really appreciate it so much because I've had to understand the art of doing less. And that is the only way I can maintain my sanity and really, you know, maintain even more flow, really resisting the urge to hustle, resisting the urge to do all the things and check all the boxes has honestly been the best thing I could have ever done. And, you know, with, with launching a book, cause it just came out the last June, the 11th. So it's only been a little over well, a month. Congratulations. So, yeah, mm-hmm. And I would love to know more about that because I was reading in your book about how after you came back. So, well, okay, this is how I am. I'm like, want to dive right in, but let's set it up first. <laughs> for, can you, can you give a little bit of the story? Now, of course, people need to read your book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce to get the full story. But can you get a little bit of the story about what happened with your athletic career and the trajectory of, you know, going for your dreams and then how your dreams shifted, because I think that was an incredible story. And then I have more questions about it, but I don't want to dive into my questions because people don't know what the story is yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think I never thought, you know, in a million years that I would be as successful as I was running track and field. I was a small town girl. I'm from Humboldt, Tennessee. I don't know. Many people don't know where it is. It's like a small town in the country. I lived in a trailer. We didn't really have much. I mean, I remember drinking powdered milk. I remember all my clothes being from the helping hand. So one of the ways that I saw that I can get out of this situation 
was athletics and I saw like all these athletes and like they're successful and they're traveling the world and like ooh, you know being a young kid and I'm I'm active and I like sports and I, I was a tomboy and I like climbed trees and made mud pies and was just into nature and I was like I'm gonna grow I'm gonna be an athlete so I can travel the world and I can make a difference and that was my goal so I knew like in you know my that was like you have to make good grades I'll see you when if something happens to you you're gonna have nothing you know and so I was always like a great student athlete because of mostly fear that if something happened I would have nothing so you know I hit the books hard hit the track hard and I also played basketball which I share in the book a lot of people don't know but when I went to college, I focused on track and field because I knew about focusing, you know, being an athlete for that whole time. And when I focused on track, I put everything into it. I focused there. I ate, like, drank track and field. That's I, I studied track and field. I was studying the body and how it worked, how to feed it everything and then one day after my first year being amazing the second year I was slated to win the conference meet but after a hard day of practice I felt this sharp pain in my back and I was like okay that's not good because I fell to the floor it was like a sharp shooting pain all the way up my back and so I went to the doctor and they said I had a stress fracture and I'm like okay what's that and how fast can it heal you know because all I wanted to do was get back on the track this is my dream this is what I'm doing like okay let's go let's tape it up patch it up how long do i need for it to heal and they're like no you're out for the season and i'm like what you know i'm thinking i'm superwoman like no way like i do all the things i eat the right food i go to the gym i work hard i'm studying what do you mean i'm out for like it didn't even i was so devastated like you know when tried to have the first year in shock so at first I was in shock. I didn't really accept it. I was like, what? No, whatever. Like I'm studying like stress fractures, how you can heal it the fastest, you know? And I'm just like, I, I wasn't accepting it. I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then when it finally sunk in that, no, it's overuse injury, Koya. You've been running yourself too hard. You're working too hard. You're not sleeping because you train all day. You study all night and you think you can get by with three to four hours of sleep. And then it's just going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen like that. So I got slowed down and I didn't want to slow down. So I went into depression and I felt like, okay, what do I have to live for? Like I, yeah, of course I have academia, but at that point being an athlete at that level, you're not thinking about like my coach was like, Oh, you can be a coach. You're so good. I was team captain. I was like, thank you, but I want to be on the track. I want to win. I want to go to the Olympics. Like, you don't understand. And so I was devastated. I was going into classes and I'd be fine. And then I burst into tears. So it was very disruptive. And so my teacher sent me to the counselor and the counselor was like, I think you should try yoga. And I was like, what is yoga? I'm Southern Baptist. I don't do the yoga Buddha stuff. Like I don't, I can't do that. I don't know what it's about. And she was like, no, no, no. It's just stretching. Which she, of course she knew it was more than that, but she was trying to get me in the class. She's like, it's just stretching. So I was like, okay. So I go in here to this just stretching class. I'm like, first of all, I've seen none of these stretches on the track. That looks painful. Seeing people in headstands and in Lotus, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm an athlete. This isn't me. I was so intimidated. I didn't fit in. I couldn't touch my toes. And if you see me now, you're like, whatever. But I've come a long way. Trust me. And I remember trying to do my first headstand. And I'm like, I felt like my brain was going to ooze out the top of my head. I was like, my head is tender. This is not for me. And I just felt out of place. And so the teacher saw me struggling and she came over to me and she's like, I just want you to breathe with me. And she took a big inhale 
And I still remember that breath to this day. Every time I tell this story, I feel the breath that we took that day. And I felt these chills all over my body. And I was like, that feels good. Because I remember when I felt those chills before and it was in church, when I kept asking my mom and dad, when am I going to know when to get baptized? Like, when am I supposed to do this thing? It's supposed to be great. And they're like, you'll know, you'll feel it. And then when I felt the chill, I was like, okay, that must be spirit. And I think I'm going to get baptized now. And, you know, and it was good. And my life changed and all this stuff. And so when I felt those chills, I connected that with when I felt spirit for the first time. And I was like, you know what? This is a good thing. Chill. Stay. And so I stayed. I did the yoga thing. I got better and better over time. Then I started swimming and biking. And after a year, I did try to go back sooner and I got slapped back down again. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I was patient again, I was able to completely heal and then return to the track. I ended up being 13th in the nation in the heptathlon. And I led my team to their first women's conference championship, but only when I slowed down and took care of myself. Mm. So you, wait, explain to me the baptism part. The baptism part? The baptism part, because you you were like older. I was young when I was, well, relatively, I was 12. Yeah, Um, like I grew up Catholic and you do it when you're, you know, like six months. So in the Southern Baptist Church, how does it work? Do you mind sharing? In the Southern Baptist Church, you don't get baptized until you get like kind of called or you feel it. it. It's like you have to make your own decision. I mean, I think that some people do christenings, which a christening is just like the blessing of a child and you throw the water on them. And that's, it's kind of different, but it's not the same as a baptism, I guess, you know, Baptist church baptism is when you're like submerged in water. And that's a point where you become saved, meaning you realize that you're not a perfect person. You've done some things in life that you're not, you know, necessarily happy with. And you ask for forgiveness for those things. And you decide to live your life in alignment with the 10 commandments and, you know, you accept Jesus as your savior and you believe in the Trinity, the father, the son, the Holy spirit. So that's kind of what it means when you decide to get baptized and probably someone listening is like, girl, it's a lot more than that. But (laughs) from what I understood at the time as a child, that's why I was doing it because I was like, okay, I believe in God. I believe in the son. I believe in the Holy spirit. I believe Jesus was sent down here and was an example of how we should live. I'm going to get baptized because I just felt something through my body and it felt like spirit. So (laughs) that was my reasoning at that time. And it felt great. It felt like, you know, I was making a decision to be a great person and not intentionally do bad things for myself or the others. And that felt really good and still feels really good. Mm, I love that. And what's your relationship with the church now? That was going to be my question too. You guys are connected. Now, you know, it's going a vault, right? Evolution. So how is it now? What's that relationship like now? I've learned so much. And I know a lot of people have a very a relationship with the church where there has been because of differences of opinion on specific things and different practices. A lot of people have a negative relationship with the church because they're, you know, people that have been ministers that have raped children and that teach false doctrine or, or have their experience negativity, hypocrisy, and all these things. I've seen the same thing during my church experience, but because what I understood when I made that commitment was the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's really what I connected to. I really don't connect with people because I believe people in the church and outside of, we're all human and we make mistakes and it's all about forgiveness and non-judgment. 
So even though I do see negativity in the world all around me, I don't really attach to that, nor do I let it define myself, anyone else, or a church. So I still have a healthy relationship with the church, and I go to a non-denominational spiritual center now. And of course, I've studied much more than I learned in my youth. And so now I still have a healthy relationship. So when I go back home, I can go to church with my family with no problem. And I can be non-judgmental and I can love people for who they are, where they are, because once I was in that same place and I'm a good person. So I feel like, you know, I have a healthy relationship with church and however people want to serve and being a world traveler, I travel all around the world. Every one person serves in a different way has different philosophies, practices, beliefs, and I respect people. And I just want everyone to follow love consciousness and treat themselves and others with respect and honor. And I feel like when we do that, we can really meet in that field of love. Mm. Hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. Now, you told a story in the book of how after you graduated from college, you had still these Olympic dreams and you cold called the trainer from San Diego. Can you tell that story? That was a great story. (laughs) Oh my God. Bless his soul. Ron Sheffield. Here I am, you know, fresh out of college, feeling myself because now I have conquered this injury. I've learned how to take care of myself. I am fierce and I'm ready to go at this Olympic dream. And I, I got this. All I need is a really good coach. And I want to get into the Olympic training center because I need the best coaches because growing up in a small town, you don't have everything you need. So I've done very well for not having much. I remember my first high jump pit was like some type of a bedding a mattress that we pulled out in a septic tank pole. And my coach would just hold it and be like, jump the bar. You know, and I jumped the bar. And I remember not knowing the falls very flop where you go over with your back hurts. I would just scissor. So that's why I got really good because I would jump and scissor the pole because I was too scared. Because one time I tried to do it on my back and I fell on it and I had this bruise across my back for an entire month and that was painful. I was like, you know, I'm just going to jump over the bar. So my ups were insane and people would be like, oh my God, did she just scissor like five, six? So I could jump all over a person's head without going backwards. And so wow. it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty ridiculous. But then eventually when I learned how to flop, I still had those ups. So it allowed me to do very well. But I always said, wow, I wonder what I could do if I had like good facilities and good coaching. And I had great coaching actually the whole time because I do feel like a coach is not really like the amount of gold medals they have. But one thing that was great about my coach from high school is that he knew how to speak to my soul. Mm -hmm. He knew how to speak to me and get me to bring out the best in me. And I knew I needed that. So I looked up this coach, Ron Sheffield. He'd had some bad, he'd had some good reviews about him as a coach. And I knew that if I could get him to coach me, that I can get my marks up to be at the Olympic training center. So I called him like, Hey, you don't know me, but I know you. And I've been checking you out and I know you're like one of the best coaches in California and I want to train with you. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Koi Webb. And I tried to tell him myself, he's like, and who are you? And I'm like, look, I know you don't know who I am, but all I can promise you is that I will get better every single day. I'll do whatever you tell me. And if I don't, you don't have to coach me anymore. And he was like, okay, look. I don't know you, but I kind of like your style. So go ahead, come on out here and I'll try you. But like, yes, that's all I needed. 
was that one that, yes, I didn't know a soul. I didn't have any cousins, any friends, like no one. I didn't care. I had a coach that said yes to me. So I saved up my money because I was on a college scholarship. I saved up my money working as a personal trainer. And I also worked at the YMCA with kids. And I saved up my money enough to like pay rent for the first couple months and not stress out. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll pay rent there. I'll get a job there. I got this. So I moved out and I trained and I put myself in the same position I was before. I was, I got a job at 24 hour fitness there. I was working. I think I worked in the morning from five to 10. I trained from like 11 to two. And then I worked again from five to 10. My eye was jumping. Here I am trying to make money so that I can live in California, training hardcore, not getting enough sleep. Injury came soon after. So I'm like, ah, oh, here I am again. And what do I go to? What helped me in the first time, which after yoga helped me, by the way, I was like, thanks, yoga P. Bye. I went back to the tag, <laughs> doing my thing. Appreciate it. And I was just, I didn't know that I needed to continue it. I, you know, but I had that spiritual connection though. And I would do things that I learned in meditation to calm myself down, the visualization. There was a lot of things that I still use, but I didn't necessarily get on my mat. After that, I went back to the track. So when I got injured again, I was like, you know what? I need to go back to my mat. I need to start practicing every day. And so at this point, I wanted to learn more about yoga. So I took a yoga teacher training and the rest is kind of history. That was a beautiful story. It's amazing. And at that time, you you mentioned that for the first time, the cons of pursuing your Olympic dreams outweighed the pros and you let it go. And it was a brief sentence in the book. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I want to know more. I like, how do you take a dream that you had had for that long and let it go and move in a new direction because this is something, I mean, not all of us dreamed of being Olympians. I certainly did not, but there are Mm -hmm. dreams that we had that, that are not going to be in this lifetime. Right. So can you talk about that? I think it's really a beautiful thing to dive into because I don't think anyone has. So thank you for pulling that out because there's definitely a lot more to that story that I even live by today. And to be quite honest with you, it was around the time after one of my idols, I say that very loosely because I always say, I don't have any idols. And people used to ask me who I looked up to. But at the time, I looked up to Marion Jones. Yeah. And around that time, it was found out that, you know, she had been, you know, doing drugs and it broke my heart. And I knew a lot of people in track and field, you know, cheated and did drugs and stuff like that. And, you know, it affected me, but I, you know, but I was like, well, Marion, she, she's natural. And like, there's some natural athletes and I'm going to look up to those. So honestly, and I hate to, I hate to put that on my present, but I'm being completely honest. Like, I felt like, wow, like if she's doing drugs, like, man, like is everyone doing drugs, it really kind of hit me hard. And I felt like I kind of felt defeated with the injury for the second time. And I felt like I was working so hard at the time. I was super overwhelmed. And I was by myself. Like I actually broke up with my boyfriend because he was like, you know, he didn't want to move to California. He wasn't feeling it. And so I felt very alone. I felt very overwhelmed. I was injured. And then this thing came out and I was like, okay, even if I heal again, if I'm going to be, I'm never going to do drugs. And if I'm competing against people that do drugs, like, am I even going to have a chance? So honestly, self-doubt 
really like what slammed me after that. And I was just like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like I, I don't, I, it's not fun. It's not fun to not like feel like there's fairness. And, and at the time, again, it wasn't just her. There was a lot of people I personally oh, yeah. knew. I mean, friends that I loved that were, that were doing this and I was offered different things and I, I was just completely turned off. But that was the big hit to be honest, that made me, to say, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to part in this anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm still gonna do it for fun and, and train, but I, I feel like I need to search my soul and see what feels good. And when I searched my soul, what had touched me the most at that time was yoga and that that experience of healing and connection to spirit I felt in yoga and using the breath work and imagery. And even when I went back to the track, had really stuck with me. So that's why I was like, I need to know more about this yoga thing because when I do yoga, I feel good in my body. I feel spiritually connected. I feel like I slow down with people. I talk with people. More things matter than myself and, and the track. And I really liked the person that I was when I practiced yoga and when I slowed down and when I went within. And so I kind of dug more into that. Mm, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I just would like, so do you think for you, you were able to let it go because you had this new dream blossoming that began to pull you in a new direction? Not at that time, to be honest. At that time, I was like, you know, ago, it was... How long ago did you like let this go? So I graduated in 04 and I trained and I went to San Diego in 05. And so I think it was in 06. Mm -hmm. I know you're like, like, wow. Like 13, 14 years ago. Yeah, about 13, 14 years ago. And I was just like, yeah, I think... But to be... So that's when I said, I felt like, I'm going to start pursuing, you know, personal training, yoga, and also modeling. I was like, I just want to explore everything else that I love to do in addition to track. But at that point, I said, I'm going to stop for now because I was injured and I had to heal anyway. And at that point, I knew it was going to probably take a year like it did the first time. I was like, well, what can I do to make myself happy? Because, again, I learned in yoga, like, it's not about the thing. It's about being, and I connected with my breath, and I was like, what other things can I breathe into? So I, you know, started looking into life coaching. I became a life coach because I was personal training one day, and my client was like, you know, I don't want to train. I just want to talk to you. So I loved listening to people, and so I was like, okay, I need to look into this. Like, I do have, a, I, love, I have a podcast now because I love to listen to people's story and just ask them the questions that can lead them to their own answers. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I went into life coaching. I started modeling for the first time, which is something that I always wanted to do. And my dad's like, no, don't model, not until you get your education first. So that's something that I put off. I started trying that, but I hadn't fully given up on my track team. And actually after a year of personal training and life coaching and modeling back and forth, San Diego and LA, which is where most of the gigs are, I actually moved to LA to pursue modeling more. Cause at that time I was working for a lot of the high end fitness, like Nike, uh, Adidas, New Balance. I was working a lot. And so I actually moved to LA. And when I made that move, the athleticism staying athletic, that zest for the track came back. I saw someone on a set one day and they were doing these track drills and I got it kind of like caught their vibration. And then I was like, I missed it. My soul missed it. I wanted it. So I actually went back. I found another coach. I asked him who their coach was and I found another coach and I actually started training in LA again. 
So even though I was kind of heartbroken and injured, once I kind of got over kind of the, the stress of it, I still had the desire to run. I still, I still love running. Like the desire um, to run, I love to run. I think the desire for the track is one that never completely went away from me and still has now. I love hearing that because like for me, I gave up dancing when Mm -hmm. I was around the age that you were maybe transitioning out of the Olympic dream. And I just love hearing stories of people who've incorporated dreams from their, you know, from their earlier years into their current adult lives, but in new iterations, because I think like we can all invite them back. And obviously you are able to run now, like you're able to feed that part of yourself. And one of the things that you spoke about, particularly regarding your cooking career, (laughs) when you were getting (laughs) to be a chef, a vegan chef, is that like there was a moment at the beginning where it was really fun and then it lost the fun. And so can you talk a little bit about like about that for us? Like when we begin to, I've heard this from some people, let's say they loved to dance as a child and then they became a professional dancer and then it became their livelihood and then it lost the fun for them. Like it lost the the light. Was there anything else that's happened to you like that? And like, what do we do in those situations when the thing that has lost the fun or we've lost the love is our livelihood? I love that question because I feel like one thing my mom told me is that do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And we are multi-dimensional beings and at different times in our lives, different things are going to make us happy. And I think society and maybe even you know, culture puts on us. You have to do this one thing your whole life and do things in a certain way to be accepted, to be approved of and things like this. And so we think, okay, well, I need to do this. I need to have this job. I need to be this type of parent. I need to be this type of athlete. I got to do things like people or society thinks they should be done to be loved. And I feel like once you release that pressure from yourself and you realize just being is enough. I am not what I do. I'm who I am in any field I decide to partake in. So whether I'm running track and field, whether I'm a yoga teacher, as long as I'm happy, that's all I need to look at. But if you think about like pressures, we'll tend to do things, even when we've lost the love and lost the joy and go into depression, we'll continue to do those things. And what's hard is there's one point where, you know, you're athlete and you're like, yeah, hey, you got to push through the pain. You got to push through the frustration. You got to push. And there's a pain where it turns into, there's a point where it turns into, I'm actually really unhappy and I don't want to do this anymore. And I feel like we all have to self-assess what that point is. And the point for me is not just when I got injured because I got injured and come back. It's when I actually lost the love and respect for the actual sport at that time. And until I decided, you know, I'm going to do this for me. And at that time, when I came back the second time, it wasn't for the gold medal. It was just like, I just love getting on the track. I'm just going to do it for the fun of it. I'm going to do it for the love of it. And it felt completely different and it felt really good. And it felt nurturing for my soul. So I feel like whether it's like a job or a passion or whatever, you should do it as long as it makes you happy. And then when it doesn't make you happy anymore, you should, you know, kind of assess, should I still be doing this thing? that doesn't bring me joy. Mm -hmm. 
So during that time, were you like to get to that point though? Cause it took a little bit, right? You had to get injured. You had to, you know, do the six. So how have you adjusted? Cause as we are learning these things, as we get older, we notice these things quicker, right? Like, or, mm-hmm. or we deal with our issues much faster as we're practicing. So for now, for yourself, as you're going through this in life today, what is happening? So you don't have a back few, you know, as you're not getting, you don't need to get injured every time, right? It's like you start to right. realize these more self-awareness. So what does that self-awareness look like for you today? So that's such an amazing question because the biggest self-awareness is the company that I actually created for myself, which is Get Loved Up. I realized that I was out here trying to be the best on the track, trying to be the best in school, trying to do all these things I felt I need to do to be loved and accepted when I just needed to love myself and I just needed to be loved. Like, even though those things are nice, I didn't have to, you know, put myself at a detriment. So not get enough sleep, not take care of myself just to do the thing. And I also realized whatever accolade or goal that I have, if I reach for that goal to the detriment of myself, then that's too far. That's what I learned. You have to maintain a balance between work, whether it be a, a, a business goal now or mostly business goal or a physical goal or whatever type of goal. You can't go after it so hard that you forget your own personal health. So my company, Get Loved Up, is love yourself, love others, love the world. And my whole point in getting the gold medal in the first place was so I can make a difference in the world. And so I can speak. And here I am going into yoga and holistic health, and I am making a difference in the world. And I'm traveling the world, and I didn't need a gold medal to do that. So a lot of times when we kind of pull back and take care of ourselves, there might be another path for us that we can't see when we're just focusing on the thing we think we need to do, even after it might not be our path at that moment, or even after paths might need to shift. If we don't kind of self-process and slow down and breathe and check within, and I always say you need to go within to work things out. So when there's injury, when there's job loss, when there's relationship loss, I feel like if I use the things that I found in yoga, which is yoga, meditation, and breath work, you can go within and ask yourself, What makes me happy right now? What makes me feel good right now? So what I've learned is to do a self-assessment and say, am I taking care of myself? Am I getting the sleep I need? Am I getting the nurture that I need? And if I'm not, I make that happen for myself. And then I ask myself, what makes you happy? Is everything you're doing in your life right now making you happy? And if the answer is no, I start letting things go. You know, and you have to, and I've noticed the more that I do this, even when it's hard, the happier I am, the better I feel, the more balanced I am. And I feel like if we did this check with ourselves, like at least, I mean, sometimes I do a daily, weekly, monthly, whatever feels good. We'll find ourselves at a more balanced state of doing things and surrounding ourselves with people and things that we love. Hmm. So you talk about in your book, this amazing list of daily rituals that you do. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. <laughs> I, I have a couple questions about it. I read the list and I was like, that's a lot of things. And like a morning ritual, an afternoon ritual, an evening ritual, like, wow. So I want to know, <laughs> Hey, do you actually do all of those things? And then I have a follow-up question. That's a great question. And so the whole chapter that you're talking about, just to give everyone context, it's called There is Freedom 
in discipline. Yeah. There's which freedom and discipline, which is so true. And so the goal in making these lists, which look, I suggest everyone make this list. Even you guys, even though reading the list is exhausting, I'm sure your list would be exhausting because you have children even more and each other. So there's more exhaustion there. But to write right. we have each other. It's exhausting. <laughs> It's true. I'm sure it's enjoyable as well. Like, it's, no, I said this the other it's day. Both. I was recording. <laughs> I was recording Instagram story, and I was talking about how we got audited for our company via this unemployment deal. And I just said, like, anything that's worth it is a pain in the butt, right? Like, also, also uh-huh. right? I said, being married, pain in the butt, but also <laughs> worth it. Like having kids, pain in the I butt, but also that story for yeah. the record. Yeah, and it's true though. Sorry okay, to interrupt. Carry yeah, on. yeah, it's true. No, I, I think it's beautiful, and, and I love that because I feel like that honesty. It really does help other people. They're like, do I really want to do the thing? But yes, it's going to be hard, but but it's also beautiful and it's also worth it. So thank you for sharing that. And so I have this list and these are all the things that if I do these all, I would be feeling like my best self. I just, totally. just make these things make me the dirty water, the meditation, the yoga, the journal writing, the walking in nature. These are all the things. And I love these things. Do I do it every day? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the more that I'm able to do, the better that I feel. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is when I'm feeling like I'm in a funk, when I'm feeling I'm overworked, I need to do more of those things. When I'm feeling good, when I have balance throughout my day, I can get by with less of those things. So it's all about checks and balances. And, you know, did you just suffer like, like, you know, recently to, you know, just to be transparent, I just had transition in my team. So I had to let someone go. And, and then, you know, I ended up letting more than one person, ended up being three people. So and hard. so it was devastating for me. It's very, de- especially as a Lee, I'm so loyal. I want to keep people for like, you know, 25 years, but it was a thing that had to happen. And now I see the light, but at then I couldn't see the light. I was frustrated. I was confused. I was like, what is happening? I needed a lot of self-care. So you better believe I did all this stuff in the morning, the evening and at night. And I gave myself a couple hours of work, but I really took time to go within, to meditate, to write, to journal. Then once I got through that time, like now, today I went to the gym, I I did like half of the things and I feel great. So I feel like there are times in your life when you're feeling like you're in a funk, you're sad, where you do need to do more self-care and rituals and routine to get you back into a state of love. Because I feel anxiety, depression, frustration, all those things come from really not tuning in and checking in with yourself. And when you feel those things, you need to make more time for self-care and self-love. And so that's kind of how I use those lists and put them at different times of the day. So that anytime I, it's like more like a basket, let me pick out the things that I have time for and I can do today to make me feel great. And I feel like if we all make those lists for ourselves, then we can just pick them like a toolbox. We can just pick out our toolbox of rituals in the morning, in the evening and at night that can make us feel really great and bring us back to this state of love. I like the basket analogy. That really works for me. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you could even put it, you go even farther, put them all on a piece of paper in a basket. And when you feel and stressed you could out, you out, could pick, pick one out paper. and be like, this is what I got to do. That's actually right a great idea. You could, it could be like your little self-care oracle yeah. where you would pick the thing and then the thing would be the perfect thing. The get loved up basket. I love that. I love that. The get loved up basket. this into your company. Um, so, and it could be handmade from someone, someplace, 
and you could sell yeah. left up baskets handmade by somebody from somewhere. I love that. Um, I love it. Thank <laughs> you for that business idea. <laughs> I got another one for you. Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. Okay, right but I want to know out of all those things that you have, I'm really into the 80-20 rule. So mm-hmm. which one for yeah. you gives you like the biggest bang for your buck that you're like, I am on empty. I got to reach for this one first because it's going to fill me up the most. A hundred percent meditation. Totally. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that is something that I do pretty much every day. There are some things that are more non-negotiable. Like I always do my meditation. I always don't necessarily write it down, but I always take a moment, you know, at the beginning of meditation and think about what I'm grateful for. Like I'm grateful for my life, my family, this world. That's just the thing. I do it through the day. I do it before I eat. Like I do prayer and meditation. So a lot of times they're kind of co-mingled, but I just feel like living in a constant state of gratitude is a big part of my life. So that's a constant every day during the day, morning, noon, and night. Um, this is so, and even with my friends, like, thank you so much for coming. Like, thank you guys so much for having me on your podcast. Like, I feel like the constant state of gratitude is how you keep yourself from being overwhelmed by all of the trauma, ignorance, just anger going on in the world today. For me not to be overwhelmed with all the social injustice and all those things, I have to be in a constant state of gratitude. Mm. As an empath, to keep myself healthy, being in a constant state of gratitude for everything that I'm doing and everyone around me helps me stay balanced personally. So gratitude every day, meditation every day, and I have to drink that water in the morning. So those are the three things that I'm always going to do. And if I don't, I feel the difference and I like myself better when I I do those things every single day. So you call it dirty water. Yeah. Do you want to- What's in there? Yeah. So I know what's so in dirty water. But someone's thinking, <laughs> someone's yeah, thinking why is she drinking what's dirty water? water? <laughs> what's the water about? So I feel like that a lot of people just don't like the taste of water. Like it tastes like nothing. So they get these like not good waters that have chemicals and artificial preservatives in them. And that's not the greatest. So it is true that water is actually better when there's something in it. So dirty water, the concept is just putting something in your water to help you absorb it. Uh-huh. So in my dirty water, I put, I can do it. Like, again, I, I have my maximum and I have my minimum. The minimum thing I usually put in my dirty water is at least lemon or lime. And lime is more alkaline than lemon. So whenever I can get lime, I put that in at least that. And when I have cayenne, when I'm traveling, sometimes I travel with cayenne in my purse. Sometimes I don't have it. So I just do the, the lemon and water or lime and water. I'm happy. Your body can absorb it better. You're hydrated. Everything's good. But when I can put cayenne, I put that in there. And when I'm home, I get fancy. I'll put ginger in there and peppermint oil and all kinds of things. But dirty water is just putting something in your water to help you like it, to help you drink it and help you absorb it better. And it has great detox benefits. And we can go on and on about the benefits of water for hydration and detoxification, especially when you wake up in the morning, but everyone should drink dirty water. Love that. I've never heard it called that before. It's great. great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to get into a couple of nitty gritty business questions. Are you okay with that? Yes. So tell us about, I love to know the behind the scenes of people's business models. Like what is your business model and what are your offerings? Cause I am deeply fascinated by all the variety out there of possibilities for ways we can make money independently. So do you mind kind of sharing that? I can totally share. And people ask me this question all the time. And I just want to be honest. My business model is so messy, <laughs> just to be honest. And if you read my book, that. you know, 
that I got a massage table and started doing massages at one point. I tried cooking at one point. I've done all these things and successfully, mind you, because I'm a hard worker and I love people. So when you have those two things together, usually there's some success behind it. So because of that, because I love people and I, and I try to do what I love, I have been able to be successful at a couple of different things. But currently, <laughs> what brings me success is, you know, because I do think like being a butterfly, loving to do many different things and being an entrepreneur as well, that, you know, business models shift as I grow and as I learn. But currently, one of my the biggest things that I do is I'm on Instagram, you know, and I share with the world. Some of the things that I think that are amazing brands that I love and, you know, so I have these brand brand deals that, you know, are very sustainable for me online with sharing that. And I work with about a lot of companies that I like. And then I also have retreats and yoga teacher trainings that I do. I have at least two yoga teacher trainings a year, one in L.A. and one internationally. I also have like online courses that I have out there. I'm also teaching on like LO moves and I have my own get loved up app. I have the fierce book out there in the world percolating, by the way, don't think you're going to write a book and get rich. A book is a marketing tool. I just don't want oh, to be caught up in the fluff. <laughs> you're going to spend more money promoting your book and hoping your book does well than you actually get from it. You know, and people that that's not true for, I admire you and I bet down to you because I, I, you know, I know that's not everyone, but for most people out there, including myself, you know, you're not just going to, you know, write a book and bank it. I just wanted to put that out there. Be like, Oh my God, you got a book. Like you're doing really well. I'm like, yes, I'm doing really well. Not going to say it's all because of that book. <laughs> I mean, the book, what I love about the book though, is I feel like the book is a beautiful way to get my message out there, to be on amazing podcasts like this one. And so purpose-wise, to finally have something that I finally got rid of all that self-judgment and perfectionism and said, girl, just put your story out there and allow people to benefit from the fact that you are human and you've learned a couple of things that you can share that help people get through some hard times. Go ahead and put that out there and be okay with it. That was first of all, so healing for me. And now that I'm receiving all the messages, see why that was so important just to put out there so it could be healing for other people too. So that is the most beautiful thing about writing the book and why I think everyone should definitely breathe into that. Mm, if you that feel so called. Much. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. so, there was like a lot of gold in what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you talked about, you talk about these four different types of fear. And mm -hmm. one of them- Can we ask about, are you gonna ask about the Instagram? Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll ask Instagram we're, first and then I'm going to, that. yeah, you're right. That was topic. a better segment. Okay. So we're yes. going to Instagram and then we're going to do this question I have about this type of fear. Okay. Go. Oh, well you told me. Oh, okay. You have Just a like, robust you, you have like one point something Instagram million followers. Following. Like what's, what's happening here? How, what was your strategy? What are you like your messaging getting out there consistently? Because it's not, I, I, it, I'm assuming you focus more on Instagram than the other platforms. Cause I was, I do, I folk around you, oh, not around, <laughs> yeah. no, it sounds Cause really I was weird. stalking you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, social stalking. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for stalking me. I approve stalking. Stalk, everyone stalk me as much as you want. Um, hang out, make comments though. Comment, comment, <laughs> like, like, and comment share. like, and comment doing your stalking, share, <laughs> screenshot my story, share those quotes, all the things. So for me, the reason I gravitated for Instagram is because, first of all, it's 
the functionality of it is amazing. The fact that you can just scroll and not be, not get lost as much as I feel like on Facebook. And it's a little more than Twitter. Like I like pictures. I love visuals. I love to hear what people have to say, but let me be honest. When I started it, I post a yoga pose and post a quote. And that was good for me. That was enough. I loved it. No responsibility. Just kind of holding myself accountable for just my yoga practice was why I did it. That's why I started because I was like, I'm not consistent with yoga. Yoga is good to me. I need to do it again because I let it go when I first got the first healing. And here I am. I, I was a, a practitioner now and a teacher, but I was still having a challenge getting my own personal practice in every day. A lot of times we talk the talk and we write these books and we do these things, but we're not practicing what we preach. So in order to help me practice what I preached, I was posting a yoga post today after my yoga practice to hold myself accountable. And then that eventually turned into, you know, working with different companies. Again, first it was a yoga company. Okay, I'm gonna wear your yoga clothes. First it was free. Then I was like, free yoga clothes cannot get my lights on every month. And I'm spending a lot of time on this. So I'm going to need some cash behind that. And I know what models make. So I need some compensation. So honestly, that's how it started. It really started with me knowing my value Mm -hmm. and doing this. And then this transitioning into like a way that companies were able to get their products out there. So it's like, wait, this is turning into something different. And that's how it started for me. And so it was really challenging for me to take this thing that was first very personal and realize there's an opportunity and it's a choice that I had to make. Did I want to, you know, allow this business side of it to come in? And I said, yes. And so that's in. There's some people that do it and it's not business and that's beautiful too. And also get judged a lot, especially in the yoga community for doing the business side of it. But I feel like to each his own, like, I mean, I'm as a model, I'm happy that I'm modeling for all these companies and I can be myself because I struggled. You read the book with a lot of like, my hair isn't right. My skin isn't right. My look isn't right. Now I can represent companies that I believe in and look like myself. That is so empowering. And I feel good about that. And so I don't let anyone shame me or talk me out of working with companies that I love on my Instagram, doing what I love, living the life I love. And, you know, anyone that wants to have a question with that, just talk to my soul about it and have a conversation and (laughs) see if it changes anything. Because if it doesn't, I'm going to keep doing it. Talk to my soul. (laughs) My soul feels really good with it. That is a really nice way of being like, beautiful. yeah, that's so good. Uh, all right. I love that so much. And so so it started there and then and then it, it picked up speed and then it became mm-hmm. really this integral part of your company and what you and right. what you do. Great. I love that. Right. Any tip um before I ask you my last question, any tip for anyone who's wanting to move into that Instagram influencer space? I know nothing about this space myself and I get this question from time to time and I'm like, uh <laughs> so do you have any tips? <laughs> The only constant thing in life is change. And especially Mm. with Instagram, I feel like they change everything on purpose just to make you stress, you know, or grow. You can look at it either way. And so I have to grow. I honestly, let me be honest. I don't have a figure out. I paid a couple thousand bucks to, you know, have this program to teach me every time the algorithm changes that I'm aware of it and I know what I need to do and how I need to change my company. Because to be honest, like I don't know all the things and because all the things are so constantly changing, this is what I know for sure. Post what you love, be authentic, 
keep it real. And, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you have to love it. Whenever you're doing it because someone else is doing it, it you're not going to be happy. So my key to what how, the reason it works for me, if you look at even some of all those things that are Instagram professional, which I don't really consider myself that, I consider myself a thought leader who just happens to use Instagram. It was one of the tools and one of my not income streams, but really I feel like the only reason it's working for me personally is because I'm doing what I love with people that I love or companies that I love. And my why is that I want to live a healthy and active lifestyle. I don't want to give other people the resources that I'm using to live that lifestyle. And because it's attached to something I'm passionate about and I love it, it works Mm -hmm. and I feel good about it. But some people can do the exact same thing I'm doing, but if they don't have that soul connection to their why and why they're doing it, it might not yield the same results. Like you could be, you could say, okay, I'm going to do everything Koya said. I'm going to post the pictures every day. I'm going to post it. But it's like, if you're not attached to it, like I am, and plus I've been doing it so long, it might not work for you. So I feel like no matter what you do in life, you got to have your why you got to have it perfect and it's got to feel good and make you happy. And if you're doing that, whatever route you choose is probably going to be pretty successful for you. Mm -hmm. Great advice. All right. So my final question is about this fourth type of fear, which I don't hear talked about enough. And I love that you really cover it in your book, which is the type of fear about the fear of going first. So we have, right, this comes in, in business. It's like, I want to look out there and see who else did it so that I can follow their strategy or in our families, right? Like I can't make a certain amount more than this because my parents never made this, or I can't move out of this town because no one in my family, I I can't go to college because no one in my family, it comes up a lot in family, obviously. (laughs) I mean, we all have our own versions of the story of that. So it has really resonated with me and I want to hear more about this fourth type of fear, why it holds us back and how we can move past that fear of being the first. Oh, that's such a good one. And you're right. It's not talked about enough and I've done it in so, so many areas. And I think the one that is constantly challenging for me and I try to being more authentic and invulnerable, I'm trying to always talk about the things that are most challenging. Right. And so the most recently challenging and continually challenging was, especially in my family, was being plant based and being vegan. I was raised in the South. Look, we ate, you know, pork and bacon and and chitlins and all the things. And I was the first one in my family that said, hey, you know, I've learned some things. And in these learnings, I've decided to, you know, cut animal meat and, you know, and dairy out of my life. And, you know, I'm vegan and I've now been vegan for 14 years. And so for a foodie, a person that loves to cook and my family knows and loves to eat and all of our outings and all of our celebrations are centered around food and that being something everyone does every day is very hard for me to be first. And it was very hard for me to feel accepted and loved and be different in this way and still feel like I could connect Mm -hmm. with my family. And so I feel like the key, I think whenever you're first in something is first of all, trust the call, trust your spirit, trust your call, just breathe into it. And if you're a soul, a hundred percent, no one else is doing it, but if you still, it, it wakes you up at night, it's in your head. You keep looking at the thing, 
that lets you know that is for you stick with it you know until for some reason it's not a soul calling or urge anymore i say stick with it and then when you get the kickbacks that's the hard part so the first part is making sure it's a soul urge and it's not just something else someone else is doing so it's a soul urge and now you're getting the kickback so for me and my family's like why are you doing this what is it for where are you going to get your protein no one else is doing it what are you going to eat you're boring. I mean, you know, the list goes on. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's like, you're boring. What, what do you, what do you eat? And so like all these things and they're not fun and it affects your connection because it's like, now you have to like explain yourself. And you know, so what happens when you're doing something different and people don't approve of it nor understand it. And the biggest thing you can do instead of telling show, and I learned this the hard way because when I went home, I cleared out all the cabinets, all the toxic food. We're all going to die. We're dying. There's poison in the food. Oh my God. Meat's acidic. Like all the things we're quick killing the planet. We're killing ourselves. Everyone's done. And, and everyone just looks at you like you're an alien and that you're sick and that you just need to sit down somewhere and calm down. And so that was me. So if that was, you don't feel bad, you know, even whether it's about climate change or veganism or, whatever new thing, just understand that anytime you go in and you try to change someone's reality and they're not as soul attached to it as you, it's going to cause some friction. So when I say don't say, but do, when I switched that and I went on my mat and I meditated and then I found out, okay, Koya, that's not the way, force is not the way. I started cooking food for my family, making morning smoothies when they woke up, hugging them asking them if they wanted to sit with me. And I started just showing them. And then once they were able to feel like, Ooh, this food tastes good. And this is good. And Oh, I like this. this what do you call it? Meditation music. <laughs> I like this calm music. I actually feel good. Oh, that deep breath thing. Do that deep breath thing with me again. You know, and however they call it, I didn't correct them. They didn't have to call it yoga because again, my family, like, what is this yoga stuff? And do you have like those little golden temples in your house? <laughs> you know, they, they really asked all the questions. They were very like, so are you a different religion now? So instead of talking about all that, I just gave them the feeling and I talked about how it made me feel like this makes me feel calm. This makes me feel relaxed. That counselor, she was a smart woman. In the beginning, I say yoga now, but then again, I was like, let's stretch together, you know? And so once you're able to not try to articulate and um, have people understand, but have them feel and you do the things that make you feel good, I feel like if you're first, sometimes you just have to give the feeling rather than all the knowledge that you felt in your soul and download it because everyone can absorb that in a short amount of time. So I say transfer the feeling and share the feeling of whatever you're doing versus trying to explain explain everything because everyone has a different perception of reality. And so if you're afraid of being first, first of all, make sure it's a soul calling. It's not based on something outside of you. Second of all, if you want to share this thing that you're doing, share it from how it makes you feel versus trying to force it or explain it to someone. And I think those two things are the main thing you have to do. And then just keep doing it. Don't let any shame or, or self-doubter change what you feel and what you know is right for you. And now I stuck with it. It's been 14 years. The benefits of a plant-based diet are spreading all around the world. I mean, two years, I stopped eating fruits. And I remember the first time I ate a strawberry and a tear just <laughs> ran down my face. And I was like, oh my gosh, strawberries are so good. And it felt so great. And so people are discovering fruits and vegetables again, you know, and it's a beautiful thing, you know? So I think that 
once you stick with things and even though you're first people like if I was the first person in my family to start doing yoga now they get up and stretch they don't call it yoga and that's fine a lot of people in my family are stretching they're practicing yoga even though they don't call it they're eating more plant-based than they ever have and now the ripple effect is going across the world people are sitting down to meditate or even if they don't want to call it meditate they're sitting down to listen to their breath Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's great. So I feel like that's the key to being first, just focus on it, the soul calling for you and just sharing with as many people and whatever verbiage works for them as well. So good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just, I really like, I really like you. I think you're great. <laughs> this has been so much fun. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I like you too. <laughs> They're just like so vibrant and you're just delightful and insightful wise. So thank you for taking time to be with us and our community today. Where should people connect with you? What do you have coming up that they might be able to participate in? Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys so much for having me on. I just want to say just like you guys are so much fun. And I did listen to the podcast and your your spirit and your energy and how you can run this amazing business and a family and be together and do it all. It's just so inspirational. So I just have to say that to you nice. um, on the record. Like so we have therapists for keeps it together. And thanks for, thanks for keeping it real too. I mean, I, I think that's so beautiful and um, yeah, people can find me on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Koya Webb, K-O-Y-A-W-E-B-B. And you can find me at KoyaWeb.com. On there, you'll see that I have a lot of retreats and yoga teacher trainings. Coming up is Egypt. So we're going Egypt in October. So we have five more spaces. So if you've always wanted to go to the motherland, explore Egypt, the pyramids, the Nile, the culture, the food, we are going to go and it's going to be a spiritual retreat. We're going to do the meditation, do the yoga, connect with ourselves, connect with Mother Earth, and it's going to be an amazing time. So we have five more slots. So sign up for that. Um, links for that are on my website. And if you want to become a yoga teacher, or even if you want to just dive deep in self-care and holistic living, you don't even care about teaching or certification, a yoga teacher training for 21 days, it can change your life. Like it changed mine. So changed that's mine. happening it changes the brain. It's so amazing. So that's happening in December. And between that, I have yoga courses. I have the Get Loved Up app. You can meditate with me daily, practice with me daily, and, you know, get loved up. And you also have your podcast, Get Loved Up, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Thank okay. you. And I have amazing. my podcast, yeah. Get Loved Up. And well, I used to have you on my podcast. I would, so. I would love that. I would love that. I always forget to promote our podcast when I'm on other podcasts. So I'm just reminding you because podcast listeners tend to like to listen to podcasts. So, <laughs> so it's a good <laughs> opportunity to make <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much. And definitely um, listeners get the book, Let Your Fears Make You Fierce. It's available anywhere Mm -hmm. books are sold. You're wonderful. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you. you. Hey, don't forget to join us for the August Kate and Mike show podcast listening adventure where you're going to get four episodes to upgrade your business and upgrade your life. Plus extra support from me and Mike, extra time with us, live coaching, chances to win things and giveaways and more. Head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash August to join in the fun. Again, that's katenorthrup.com forward slash August.